From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Don't let the band deal with this. <laughs> mm-hmm. In my A staff. Oh, school. Uh-huh. Okay. Shut up. Uh-huh. Okay. What's up? Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, some more practice observations. What in the world is Miami going to do at quarterback? And the age-old question, who do you hate more, Miami or Florida? Wake Up War Chance presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. That's the website, 2475 Appalachian Parkway, the physical address. Delicious food, lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., And on Fridays of home games from 5 o'clock to about 6 o'clock, live meet and greet happy hour over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill along with the Warchant.com staff. That includes Corey Clark, Jeff Cameron, Tom Lang, maybe me, maybe maybe Gene Williams, uh, maybe Matt Lassere, maybe maybe Irish Schofield, maybe Michael Langston. Just just come out, though, because it definitely will be a great time. 5 o'clock happy hour Friday over at the CP, cptallybar.com. You can always hit the QR code on your screen. takes you right to the website. Warchant.com, your ultimate symbol sports source. It is still the big game week, obviously, Corey. So the big game special is ongoing. 50% off an annual membership for first-time customers over at Warchant.com. No promo code needed. Just show up, go to the website, Warchant.com. Green neon bar, top of the website, I think. Subscribe, sign up. 50% off an annual membership. Take advantage. Five-star rating and review as well, please. Corey Clark, everybody. Corey Clark. How are you, Corey Clark? I'm good. Uh, a little tired. Uh, mm. Drove up uh, late Tuesday night uh, mm. after trivia at Corner Pocket. Uh, got on the road, made it back to uh, Atlanta around 2.45 in the morning. And uh, now I'm here talking to you on Wednesday. So I didn't get to see practice. Um, but I did get to, uh, you know, read some updates on the website, watch some video. So, uh, you know, starting to feel pretty good about maybe how the wide receiver position will play out on Saturday. Mm. Well said. Well said, Corey. Way to... This guy's some of this guy's our coverage, if you will. Ha ha ha. At least you haven't deal with any traffic. I'm glad you were able to avoid that. That's always buddy. Oh, it was perfect. Yeah. I don't recommend it, I guess, because you never know who's on the road. At, well, you don't know who's on the road at five in the afternoon either, just like you don't at midnight or one a.m. But buddy, it was just free and easy the whole ride up to Atlanta. Yeah. All right, let's get some practice observations. Uh, some of the more choppy maybe even sloppy moments that I've seen out of this team in a long, long time. And it started in period three, you know, overthrow pass on a wheel route to Lawrence Toffoli, then followed up by a flag, which was like a procedure call on the offense. So they backed them up. Pressure ensued on the following play. Jordan phantom fumble, like nobody touched him, but just the ball fell out of his hands. A couple screen passes, Kyle Morlock involved uh, in getting – uh, the ball in his direction and moving the ball across the 50-yard line ends with Ryan Fitzgerald hitting a 45-yard field goal, though. So mm. it ended well, but there were just some moments in there that weren't very characteristic of the team. Later on in the day, one of the more bizarre things I've seen out there, uh, doing goal line one-on-one, it ended up being two-on-two, which isn't the way it's designed. So there was a snap of a ball, and a receiver went out for a route, a DB went to cover him, and then apparently another receiver and DB thought it was their turn to go and these four players ended up colliding into each other at one point and somebody got banged up 
It was bizarre. Uh, Norvell didn't lose his mind, but it was just more of like, how did how did this just happen? What are we doing here? Uh, which was surprising. I thought he was going to totally flip his lid, but he he kept it kind of calm. Um, so those two moments were just like, what are we? What is going on here? This is not very Florida State esque. But there are two moments in a two and a half hour practice that was twenty five periods long, uh, and otherwise pretty solid day out of the offense. I thought C.J. Campbell had a really good week of practice. Now, I don't know if that's going to carry on to them thinking that he could be relied upon in the Miami game or just the way they're kind of limiting the load, perhaps, at that field, at that position on the field. Um, really good play. Really good play by Ja'Kai uh, in one-on-ones. 30 air yards off the arm of Jordan Travis. Fingertip catch, and it was Renardo Green who was in coverage on him. Everybody was going nuts. Norvell ran after Ja'Kai and was so happy for that catch. Uh, but the very next time they went, uh, heads up against each other, Corey. Uh, comeback route uh, from Ja'Kai, and Renardo was on him the entire time, batted away and got the revenge on that. So that was really good to see in one-on-ones. Uh, when they went to goal line 11-on-11, 11 11, Blake Nicholson had a pick. So did Conrad Hussey. Okay. Two different quarterbacks they picked off. Neither of them, your starting quarterback. So okay. big dub all the way around. And then in 7-on-7, seven seven, just an absolute beautiful dime from Jordan Travis. Uh, to Jaheim Bell, which there's a moment in practice where I'm like, where's Jaheim been? And then he had like two big plays. I'm like, oh, there he is. Just an embarrassment of riches that continues to produce for this team. And uh, some encouraging news again from Coach Norvell. Go check out the, the press conference afterwards or the interview afterwards where he was asked about Keon and said, yeah, he's coming along good. We're, uh, yeah. He's progressing. So, And Johnny was out there obviously on Tuesday. Everybody saw a video of him on Wednesday. So everything is good. Do they, do they need the full compliment, Corey? Obviously... You feel much better if both guys are ready and able to go. But, like, do they need Keon and Johnny to be able to to pull out the win, you think, on Saturday? I mean, no. I, they don't need both of them. Um, I'm of the opinion they need at least one of them because, again, mm-hmm. you saw what happened on Saturday in Pittsburgh. There was nothing. Ja'Kai made some nice plays. He really did. And it, hats off to him. But there's nobody else on that in that wide receiver core that scares you. Um those two dudes frighten every cornerback that lines up against them. Um, and so, and, and Miami's got a good defense. Miami's got a top 25-ish defense. Probably, I don't know, man, the third best defense you've seen behind Duke and, uh, and Clemson. Hmm. So, But it's right, it's right there with Duke. Like, it's got a, they've got a good defense, and if they show up wanting to play, which you assume they would because it's a rivalry game, uh, and they're mad, they should be mad anyway, uh, they're not going to be easy to move the ball on. You know, Johnny and Keon are the, uh, hey, you can scout us perfectly. You can defend this play perfectly. Uh, you can know what's coming. And they're the types of players that it doesn't matter. They can still go get you 30 yards. And when you don't have that, it can be a lot harder to score. Case in point, Pitt last week. So, yeah, I don't know if they need both of them to win. They, If they have both of them, their chances of winning uh, and winning big uh, multiply. Uh, but, yeah, you, you definitely, I think, need one. You need one, hmm. but uh, having two uh, would be very nice. And again, as I said at the top of the show, again, I have no, I have no inside knowledge. I, have, I wasn't even at practice on Wednesday. Um, I personally would be surprised if they're both not playing on Saturday. And I feel like Norvell kind of intimated as much. Yeah. So are you saying Florida State wouldn't need to change their signals if they played Michigan in the playoff? Uh, well, yeah, oh, they're going to throw it to John. They're going to throw it to 14 or yeah, four. Yeah. Okay. W- what sign do you have for that? Yeah, yeah. We're recording this before 
possible sanctions come down on Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan program. They say it's going to come down by end of business on Wednesday. So, oh really? Uh, I didn't know that. Didn't yeah, that. yeah. Okay. The Big Ten they're they're trying okay, to be go uh, for it, Big Ten. Yeah, Paul Feinbaum trying to bully them into throwing the book at Jim. So that just makes me want Jim to survive this that much more. But I don't know, man. I feel a little bit nervous for my guy. We'll see how it all shakes out for him, though. He's your guy now. All right. And he's always been my guy. I'm a Niners fan. Niners fan. What did you do from oh, the Niners? Oh, yeah, that's right. It was that's incredible. Right. Um, I was a Chicago Bears fan, too, as a little kid because, like, you know, Walt Payton was really cool, I was told. And by the time I could, like, come of age and know what was going on, Jim Harbaugh was a quarterback. Right. And I always felt bad for him because, like, Mike Ditko was such a jerk to him. Um, so I was like, ah, I feel bad for that guy. Um, uh, let's be friends. So, uh, if I ever saw Jim Harbaugh, I'd, I'd, I'd shake him up. He's just so crazy. There's, there's a, there's a, a, a weird sociopathic, uh, you know, quality to him that I, I somewhat admire for some odd reason. I can't really, uh, verbalize on the show right now, but it makes sense. If, if you know who I am, it just, it all, it all blends together in some way, form or fashion. Hey, and with that said, let's turn to the mailbag then, Corey, shall we? Let's do it. All right, all of these from our valued customers over at the Warchant.com Tribal Council. We'll have a live show later tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll also reveal the over-unders from the Clark Sportsbook, where you can win a $25 gift card to Garden and Gold if you win the contest. But, again, you have to be a member of the website. 50% off, though. 50% off. FSU Uncensored. Wake up, fellas. Toughest test at this point, has to be floored in the swamp, I guess, with it being on the road. I will admit, though, it's nice being so far ahead of both in-state programs and enjoying their misery. As far as Miami starting quarterback, will Mario listen to the fans or start who gives them the best chance to win, which has to be Tyler Van Dyke, considering his ability to possibly get hot? Question mark. Remember, he likes playing on the road to remind him what a home atmosphere feels like. Mm. Go Noel. See you on Saturday. Yeah, you know, that's my opinion is that I would be – I just don't see how they're going to – if Emory Williams plays like he did against Clemson, that's not a recipe to beat Florida State because Florida State has a much better offense than Clemson. And you can't assume you're going to hold Florida State to two touchdowns. Uh, It it just doesn't – that's not anything that's happened in a long time. So you've got to hit some plays. The problem with with Van Dyke is, number one, he might be broken – his confidence looks like it's completely shattered. And he also gives the team the other ball a lot. He's thrown 10 interceptions in four games. So that's not the way to beat Florida State either. So who knows? Mm. Yeah, how would you rank these next three games or three of the next four? Can, and we'll assume that it's Louisville. What would, how would you rank them in order of difficulty uh, from toughest to most manageable? Um, I, you know, look, I would say at Florida is probably the toughest, um, just cause I don't, I don't, number one, let's see what Florida looks like the next two weeks. It's not like they're getting blown off the field by anyone, you know, not named Georgia. So they, you, you will not blow them off the field with your talent. They have some talent. They have a couple receivers that make plays. Um, the quarterback doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He's not maybe dynamic. But, yeah, and it's Florida, man, and they would love nothing more than just to crush your season, and they will get up for that game. So, And Mike Norvell's never won at Florida, so there's a lot of things that make that – I know he's only 0 for 1, but there's a lot of things that make that, to me, you can't – I don't understand, other than the 2013 team, there's never been a team in Florida State history where you knew going in they were going to win. You could assume a win. And even that game was 3 to nothing with three minutes to go in the second quarter. Like, it's just not the easiest place to play. So, that to me will always be the toughest. Um, and then, man, Louisville's good. 
I, you know, I, and if you're playing Louisville there, I, you know, or Carolina, I think those are going to be tough. And, you know, Miami, I think, has – weirdly, I think Miami probably has the most talent, especially on the line of scrimmage, of all these three teams that you have left. But I just – the quarterback play has been so erratic. The offense has been so bad that unless they find something and play above their heads – it doesn't seem like they would have a really good chance of winning unless you do some really dumb stuff. Hmm. No dad for life. I think that's our guy, Austin. Um, oh, yeah, playoff. Let's get your take real quick, Corey. Playoff poll stayed static, but apparently Boo Kerrigan, uh, who's the head of this committee, said that apparently that the smallest gap was between four and five. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably fair, right? I mean, look, at the, the beauty, though, is that um, all the one-loss teams are behind all the undefeated teams. And as long as it stays that way, Florida State fans have nothing to worry about. Four, three, two, like, you're, if you stay undefeated, a one-loss team will not uh, be in front of you, um, which is good to know. But, yeah, man, I, I think that's fair, right? I think – and Washington's still got to play Oregon. And if Again, Washington plays yeah. Oregon, they might, they might bump over you. And if they lose to Oregon, you got nothing to worry about. And even if they do jump over you, Ohio State and Michigan play each other. So, again, I think out of the top seven teams, they all play each other except for Florida State. Mm. Georgia plays Alabama. Washington plays Oregon. Obviously, Ohio State plays Michigan. So, all se- three of those teams are going to have another loss or a loss. Mm. So, you know, you, you, should, you, you, you seem to be in relatively good shape. Question from Noldad for life. Uh, how much do you think what we saw last week against Pitt offensively uh, is what 2024 might hold for us? The whole game, all I could think of is great. This is what we have to look forward to next year with a worse quarterback. I would say slow your roll on that a little bit. Uh, but we all Hill, thought that for a little bit, right? I thought no, that. No, I didn't because Hakeem, oh, okay. William, Hakeem Williams and Destin Hill were non-factors. Destin Hill could barely move. Hakeem Williams didn't play. And Vandravius played, I don't know, five snaps. Uh, so those three guys, I think, are a uh, – that is a core that is going to be really nice, man, really nice. You you guys see Vandravius and just the way he moves, and we've seen it in practice. Uh, that guy, if it can all come together for him, I think is going to be a weapon. I think Destin Hill will absolutely be a weapon, and Hakeem Williams might be a star. The way he ascended in the last six months until he got hurt, man, that was – that and that speed he showed on the touchdown – yeah, you got a lot of stuff to work with there. Um, plus, the portal's open. I, I don't think you're going to have a, the hardest time in the world after what Keon has done and Johnny has done, quite frankly, um, to get a, a big-time receiver to come transfer to your place to p- play in this offense. That, as we all know, Aslan is built for playmakers. Mm-hmm. So true. that's what I'm saying. Like, next year, it's not going to be Ja'Kai and Derek. You won't. You weren't even healthy. Like I, I would have. Lo- it was such a bummer that Span couldn't play, Hakeem couldn't play, Destin could barely run, Portier wasn't. It was such a bummer that in that moment, with your two stars out, that the other guys couldn't step up and shine to give you a sense of what next year will be like, because they were all either hurt or uh, hobbled, either out of the game or just you know out completely or not running at full speed. So. I, I, trust me, I, I think there's some young talent in that room. I think you do too, Aslan. You've watched them practice. Mm. It, it just was a bummer that they didn't get those kind of reps 
when uh, when they were available last week. But I, I think you like you like a, a, those three guys that I mentioned off the top uh, are all I think could be difference makers. Mm. Uh, speaking of that game, our guy from Kentucky, Dave from Bartstown, says uh, he draws a parallel between what we saw last week against Pitt and the stories you hear about a basketball player who injures their dominant hand, so they're forced to practice with their non-dominant hand. That setback elevates their game to the next level because now they're ambidextrous. Mm. He believes that's what happened Saturday for Jordan and the offense. No security blankets. Yeah. Uh, forces everybody to develop chemistry with some uh, new pieces. So that's part of it. That's a good – I, I want to say – I want to touch on that real quick. That's a good point because you didn't have the – like I've called them, the get-out-of-jail-free cards. You didn't have the security blankets is a great term for them. You had to go earn your yards. And it was by – there was like – there was no uh, – hey, guys, Johnny can't save you, man. Keon can't save you. If y'all want to win this game and move the ball, it's up to you. And it was up to the coaches to design, you know, plays that would work against a very aggressive defense. And at the end of the day, I know they only scored 24 points. They had 500 yards offense. So I do think that builds – obviously, Johnny and Keon have a ton of confidence. It builds the confidence in everybody else that they don't need those superstars necessarily uh, to be great. Now, I think they do, but still, it's nice that they had – 500 yards. They showed they could put up 500 yards without those two guys. Um, second part, some criticism of Caleb Williams's reaction to the loss against Washington the other night. Thought it was a little bit uh, interesting. It was. Uh, it was a. Uh, you know, we can. I'm not making fun of anyone, but we can't sit here and say that's a normal reaction. That it wasn't bizarre. And you could. And the, for the people that don't know. Uh, after they lost to who they play Washington, Houston? Washington, yeah. Um, by the way, I mean, Washington gets credit for beating that team. That USC team has a great quarterback in the worst defense of mankind in the history of mankind. It is unbelievably bad. Anyway, I think they get uh, credit for the Oregon win. I think is what they're getting credit for. Oh, sure, absolutely. But like, what changed between? It, it, it felt like Boo Corrigan was saying that the the margin got tighter. Yeah, because because right. of a win over USC. All right, man. Whatever. Um, but it'll all play out anyway. Right. But the but with Caleb Williams, so after the game, he goes and hops into the crowd with his family, and then it looks like he's convulsing. He's crying so hard, and they put up a something to 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 block the cameras from seeing him. And it was shout just out a, to mom, by the way. That no, was awesome. absolutely. It was just a, it was an odd reaction. It doesn't mean he's a soft kid. It doesn't mean that the the whoever has the first pick is going to be scared away from it. Uh, but it will be something he's asked about because oh, that was really? – Oh, absolutely. Because it was so, – have you ever seen that before? So if no. you're a GM and you're going to spend – But he does stuff on the football field I've never seen before, so I really don't care about him being emotional because he knows that his season is now totally over as a competitor. They still had a shot at winning the Pac-12 and going to the championship game, and it was all thrown across the side now. So, like, everything is off the table. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I – you know, no, I, I have no problem with it. Oh, I, 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 again, I, I don't either. But you can't. We can't sit here and act like that was something you've ever seen before. I know, but it wasn't something like, I don't know. It wasn't Antonio Brown taking his jersey off and running off the field doing something like totally crazy and unhinged. Right, but to people that make decisions, okay, what kind of kid are we getting here? Yeah, is, is he is he this emotional that every if something goes bad, if he loses a game and is out of, uh, you know, the the race for the conference championship? That's what it's. That's what's going to happen. Like it, there, you would have to ask the question, like, what's going on? Especially somebody that rumors have come out that he wants part ownership of a team, or he's going to go back to school if he doesn't like who drafts him. It's like, all right, man, th things like that, things off the field. Yeah, you're a great talent, uh, 
quarterback is a lot more than just great talent. Um, so you, you would certainly want to know what was going on there. But, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, then last part of his three-part question, which he wanted me to read verbatim, but I'm not going to because I will not be extorted. Uh, he offered $10 if I would have done so. He feels that watching... <laughs> He feels that watching games in person versus at home is different because his perception gets skewed and influenced by the commentators. Corey, what was it like watching at home last week? Um, do you watch with the sound off? You got Culhane in the background, or is your soul impenetrable to the voices and opinions of lesser mortals? I turned it mostly down. I, I didn't listen. I, I basically muted it and watched the game, and that has nothing against – uh, is it Mark Jones and Riddick, Lewis Riddick? Yes. yes. Uh, it's nothing against them. Um, I just have a weird – Stephanie will tell you this, so would Brady. I have a weird habit when I'm watching sports to just mute it. And That's just watch crazy. It. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why. Like, I, I just don't know why. So, I, I – uh, and I like Mark Jones. I know his, uh, his vocabulary uh, irritates some, but I think it's funny. And Riddick really knows football. Um, it just, I didn't, uh, it wasn't against them. It was just sometimes, especially a game I'm very invested in, uh, very invested in, like a Braves game on the road in the playoffs. I don't want to hear the crowd go crazy if Harper hits a three-run homer, which he always does against the Braves. Um, so I just have the sound down. Then it's like it doesn't affect me as much. It's weird. I don't know, mm -hmm. but that's what I do. I do watch it. It is odd. Uh, I like having the replays. I like being see able up close on the sidelines, but I don't like listening to the uh, any of the commentators or just the ambient crowd noise. Weird, I, right? No, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, but it's I, weird. I, I get it. It's it. it's a quirk. I don't do it. Um, I'm just pondering how I'm going to do this next question here. It's just it's a random underscore John. I guess I have to read this verbatim or else it won't make any sense. Um, good morning, guys. Uh, may this weekend find Aslan meeting his one true love in Miami thoroughly embarrassed after another 42-point loss at the hands of FSU and their clearly violent receiving core. Speaking of said receiving core, was Coach Norvell showing the playoff committee what we can do by handicapping his team against Pitt? Question mark. To go full Tanya Harding is the only explanation as to the reason our top five receivers are injured. What else could be the reason? Question mark. Clearly, they all got in a room and decided, quote, hey, for Ja'Kai, let's make a blood oath that we will all <laughs> injure ourselves before Pitt. It's his time. Unquote. And as they all take their hammers and tire irons and bludgeon each other, all the while screaming for Ja'Kai. Mm. All right. Let's. Less is more. Love you guys. Um, I like that we were able to hone our crafts together, us talking and answering questions, you guys asking questions. Um, I don't even know, Corey. Uh, respond for that, please. All I remember, all I was thinking when we were when I was watching that game on mute on Saturday was it did remind me of uh, the the student union fight. That happened, I think it was 08. I, yeah, it was Ponder's first year starting where half the receiving core was suspended because of a fight in the student union. Um, so, and I'm not, I'm not saying this, that was not what happened here. These are legitimate injuries. There was no fight. There was no altercation where they were suspended. Um, and they weren't doing it for Ja'Kai. Uh, but yeah, it reminded me of that when they were so shorthanded against Boston College that night uh, and lost the game. Uh, and it would have helped to maybe have, I don't I'm not, I don't I think Burt Reed played, but maybe Burt Reed didn't play. So I don't even want to go into who, because I can't remember who was eligible and who wasn't. But uh, it just, I, I don't remember another time seeing any team that shorthanded at wide receiver. To go from a room that had 
when the season started, Winston Wright, Destin Hill, Deuce, obviously Johnny Keon, Ja'Kai wasn't playing, but Darian Portier, well, I guess Portier wasn't either. You had all these guys that were eight or nine guys that you thought, man, this is great, Hakeem, Bandravius, and then on uh, last Saturday you had uh, two and a half healthy bodies. Mm. Trying to find a story to see who, uh, if there's any like names listed here. Um, can't find it though. Wow, I also don't story, know if they won the fight. The story says the NCAA is deciding whether it'll impose additional punishment. For what? It's yeah, it's not. That doesn't seem like that's in the NCAA's jurisdiction or purview. To uh, what, what would that even be? Hey guys, don't get in fights. We're yeah. gonna come down on you. Maybe I should take a energy Mood Plus and, and be in a better mood before I do these shows. So I'll read everybody's questions verbatim. Uh, but I didn't today, so we have to deal oh. with the consequences of that action. I hope you guys see. And he usually does. So I hope you guys see hear this Aslan yeah. and then what you normally hear and be like, man, that vitamin energy does make a difference. Yeah. Vitaminenergy.com, strength, energy, performance, all in the workout plus shot, the number one pre-workout on the market. In fact, the world's first and only clinically proven, clinically effective energy shot. And it's got the vitamins in it, y'all. It's got mm. the vitamins. Tastes great, too, the sour apple and the workout plus. One of the that would be my college football top four. If I had to rank my top four flavors, sour apple certainly okay. uh, would be in the top four. You go to vitaminenergy.com, use that promo code WARCHAMP BOGO, WARCHAMP B O G O. Buy one, add another item of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. I think they're also throwing in like a, a free eight hour energy sampler as well. So you can give that to somebody that might have trouble getting to sleep. Maybe that's you sometimes when you're so excited for this game. I don't think Jeff Cameron has labeled this a Cat 5 maintain. But maybe in your world it is. No. In any world, though, the promo code works. WordChamp BOGO. WordChamp B-O-G-O. Vitamergy.com. Shake it and take it. Back at it, Corey Clark. Let's go to our guy, Mark Naples. Wake up. We're on the back nine with a few birdies to close out the round. We can win a major. And with Mike Norvell in charge, it will change the program for years. But to Miami, do you think this is the week that the team plays a complete game? Last home game at Doak, offense, defense, special teams, firing on all cylinders for four quarters, another beatdown like last November, or do you think we just cover, win by two or three scores, and move on? We all want to see this team's potential explode, particularly on offense. Yeah, I mean, again, I'll I'll keep saying it. It goes back to the availability and health of the wide receivers, and we just don't know. Again, I can speculate, but that's all that is is speculation. Um, at 3.31, I'll have a much better answer for this because, again, if you have Keon and Johnny out there and they're close to 100%, and Johnny certainly looked close to 100% when I saw him on Tuesday, um, you know, that's – that's that's I don't – what would you say the difference is? That's 10 extra points, 14 extra points, both 30? Of, both like of them? I, or? Yeah, both of them. Yeah, man. I mean, they, they score – 38 against Pitt if both are playing? Yeah, so like, at yeah, least, yeah. If, especially if Pitt was going to play that defense. Like, look, man, I think Darian Williamson has some talent. Um, I'd like him to put it all together, but he didn't look great on those throws down the middle of the field. Uh, he didn't come close to catching them. Uh, I have a feeling Keon and Johnny both do catch those. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just, there were 40 and 50-yard chunk plays out there. That Pitt wouldn't have, and if they would have dared to play that kind of defense and just leave their corners on an island, good effing luck, man. Good f, you couldn't cover Jakai Douglas. So I feel like four and fourteen would have torched them. 
So yes, I think it's at least 14 or 17, 24 points, whatever difference. But um, but yeah, so if they, it, it's hard to look great when you don't have your great players available. So if they have their great players available, full speed, all of them, then yeah, maybe this is finally the game they put it all together and look like, um, you know, the second half of the LSU game. But again. Or maybe they won't ever do it. I maybe don't it's think an they impossible will. thing to do. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. And, I, and yeah. I, I don't think they need to play that way. And also, who has? To win yes, yeah, that's it too. And, and listen, I think we've seen enough now probably out of LSU to realize that their defense is not very great. Correct. So uh, what you did against them, like I think this might be. Uh, I think looking back at that game, Aslan, don't you think what the defense did is much more impressive than what the looking back in hindsight, oh, yeah. what the Florida State defense did against LSU is much more impressive than what the offense did. Yeah, man. That listen, Jaden Daniels is like he's an elite college quarterback. I don't know if he's going to yes. play on Sundays, but he's an elite college quarterback. Neighbors is an elite college receiver. They have a pretty darn good offensive line. Was it Brian Thomas Jr. the other guy, the the wiry like six four receiver they have? Kyron Lacy. Like, Lacy. They got yeah. a kid named Lacy. Yeah, right. Kyron Lacy. Yeah, yeah, they've that that's a really good offense and what that defense did to LSU. I, I definitely agree, Corey. That's well said. That is probably the more impressive aspect of that. And listen, the defense has been that way, right, yeah. in the second half of all these games since Boston College. So, um, And that's kind of what gives you hope moving forward throughout the rest of the season is, and again, I'll knock on wood, but the defense is always going to keep teams contained. They don't, they don't shut out anybody. They'll give up some points and some yards and some first downs, and it feel like every team has a seven-minute drive. But when you look at the totality of this season against great offenses and bad offenses and everything in between, they give up in the neighborhood of two to three scores, and they don't they just don't get torched. And they don't give up, other than the pit game where they ended up slapping the ball away anyway, they don't give up huge plays. So if they can just keep that formula and that recipe, they they you know what you're getting from this from this defense, which is a good solid product, where teams don't just score at will and they don't hit huge plays, and they're they're fundamentally sound and they're pretty well coached. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what they've been through yeah. nine games. The, you you know going into this game, unless craziness happens, Miami's not going to get to thirty. Oh no, no. I, I mean, it could. I mean, it, it, not, unless there's a special team score, a pick six, a, a bunch of turnovers, you wouldn't expect Miami get to thirty. Right. I don't think you'd expect Florida to get to thirty, or right. even Louisville to get to thirty. What a great feeling that is, a luxury that is going into a, these kind of games. Where, and I'm not saying that won't happen. You just think going in, our defense is good enough; they're going to contain that other team. And then, oh yeah, they have to deal with Jordan Travis and Johnny and Keon and Trey Benson and Jaheim Bell. Like, so the defense has done its part through nine games for sure. Yeah, I just wonder. I, I, I feel like this might be the best pairing of lines of scrimmage Florida State's going to have gone up against the entire year. Like, Probably, I think, right? I think, yeah, LS, I think so. LSU had a really good offensive line or defensive line. Didn't have Mason Smith, but they did have Makai yeah. Wingo. Like, I think Duke has got really good lines of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe Miami just might be a smidge ahead of them. But then it, it all comes down to like your quarterback play. And just Miami, like no team has had that mixture of able, capable, competent lines of yeah. scrimmage and a talented quarterback that's been healthy for the entire yeah, stretch Duke of the game. Yeah, might have been so. if Leonard was healthy. Yeah. But he wasn't. Right. And I think kind of, you know, you expect Van Dyke, if he plays, to kind of look to, to be as effective as Leonard was in that game, yeah. which is not very. But that's a recipe to beat Florida State, what Duke did. 
They were good on the line of scrimmage. They did hit a big run. They did stop Florida State from running the ball. And they, they got a defensive they were, score, you know. They got a defensive score and they were uh they were able to churn out first downs via the running game. They, not a lot of huge runs except for the fifty yarder where Cypress took that crazy angle, but a lot of six yard runs and a four yard run and then an eight yard run. That's how you can beat Florida State. And Miami does have that ability because like you said, that offensive line is good. Um be nice to have Daryl Jackson this week. Mm. Hey, but you know, four more games. Yeah. I can't wait till we can start talking about that. That's going to be like a real thing, you know? Like, hey, they're going to have him back. It'd be cool if they – I'm telling you, they just need to move up the semester a week, yeah. and then he can play in Charlotte. Come on, Dr. McCullough, figure it out. Do you care or not, Doc? <laughs> Do you care about this football team or not? Uh, Gator Kirk, here's a tough one, Cor. I'll let you handle this one. Wake up. What do the players value more, the molding and becoming a better football player or becoming a better man? Oh. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. That's. I mean, wouldn't that be an individual right. thing? You know, yeah. I, I hope they value them both. I, I would hope. Well, no, I would hope they'd value becoming a better man um, because that's something you're only going to be a football player for a few more years. You're going to be a man for the rest of your life. So that's more important. But you know, it's also college. <laughs> I don't. I, when I was 20, I didn't value the, the, the adult lessons I was learning. Yeah. Uh, clearly, I would go back and slap that kid in the face uh, if I could. So I, I would think they probably value the football team and the football experience right now, which is to be under. I mean, that's just. I forgot the last. We talked to Coach Fuller one time, and it was it was on the record, but like it wasn't on camera. And I think like we were busting chops about them practicing in the mornings, and he's like, "Yeah, man, like it's like it makes sense. All these kids are gonna have to gr- they're gonna have to grow up and wake up early to go yeah. to work, you know." And it's yeah. like. So I do think, I do think like you know it sounds cheesy, but I'm I'm sure the being the better man makes you the better football player. Like being disciplined, being accountable, waking up early, having to be there for your teammates, like all these sort of things that will affect the way you will be as a man, as a part of society, makes you a better functioning member of a football team. So uh, we can ask these sort of questions in the in the afterglow when they're doing the parade through downtown, and I'm like running down the down the the street trying to catch up with them as they're you know tossing beads off their floats. You're like Jordan, Jordan. Your time here, man, was it about being a better man or a better right. football player? Yes, sir. You know, just one day at a time, yeah. man. Just yes, sir. Doing the thing, man. Doing but, thing. you know, it's, it's it's cool that you pointed that out. You said that, and it reminded me. I read up because uh, Wednesday was National Signing Day for basketball and soccer and softball and everything else. And I was reading up because I'm interested in Florida State softball in their signing class. Just see it because it's hard to know. Like, I don't, I don't follow the recruiting rankings, so I wanted to see what kind of uh, bad they got and I, I'm not gonna even read their their what they do on the softball field they signed four people listen to these descriptions uh, DeLong brings a well-rounded background that will add to the Seminole family she was a member of National Honor Society and vice president in her class with a 4.0 GPA in honor roll throughout high school she also showed sheep competitively and held huh. the reserve grand champion natural lamb at the Ohio State Fair and play okay 4-H, Eddie DeLong. 4-H member I think let's go two sports star <laughs> Showing sheep and, but look, so 4.0 GPA, vice president. The next one, Jasmine Franchick of Melbourne High School. Uh, AP scholar, National Honor Society member. Finished first in Florida future problem-solving scenario performance. Like, like the Shelby McKenzie, uh, 4.3 GPA. 4.3 GPA. And then Isabella Ruggiero, National Honor Society. 
Science National Honor Society member, and qualified for magna cum laude. Like, it, it well-rounded. I, I try to preach this to my son, but it's the, if you if you take one thing seriously and care, you're going to take everything seriously and care. It's about being excellent in everything and caring about everything. And that's why, I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence that they sign people like that at Flor- for Florida State softball and Lonnie. There aren't a lot of dumb girls on that team. There aren't any, honestly. So I, I think there's a that's not a coincidence. But it's just, yeah, man, you, you learn valuable life lessons. You want people that are well-rounded. You don't want somebody that only cares about football. Because if they get injured or if they're not playing, what? You know? Mm. So, anyway, I don't know why that got that took Man. me to Florida State softball. Hey, Man. but congratulations to Lonnie on the class. Uh-huh. By the way, they all can really play, too. They're uh-huh. not, she's not just going to bump up the GPA. She's not recruiting to just bump up the GPA. That just happened to be the case. Uh, also fired up out there in the internet, uh, Noel Chick 77 rivalry games ring about emotions that can make or break a win to occur, so we must expect the best shot from Miami who will want to derail the season and any chance at a college football playoff in undefeated regular season. I believe in our players, coaching staff, and fans to take control of the vibe Saturday to not give momentum to those Canes. We know this is their season and would control recruiting statewide and on a national level. Looking forward to seeing all our weapons ready to battle and taking care of defending Doak and getting a big win and going for the first leg towards a state title. Go Knowles, beat those Canes, show the nation we are a great team worthy of playing for a national title and push Jordan to New York City. Chop it up, Noel Nation. Let's get the war chant to echo loudly. Okay. All right. Nothing really to add to that. No. But, yeah, get fired yeah. up. It's Miami week, yeah. baby. Let's keep moving. I'm not calling her baby. I'm right. saying all of you guys, yes. baby. Noel for life, class of 2007. Wake up, guys. I don't care who starts a quarterback on Saturday for scum. Mm. Uh, as Yvonne Drago once said, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> But for the sake of discussion, does Tyler Van Dyke give scum the best chance to win, or would Mario or would Mario Cristobal running out a youngling galvanize their troops enough to give scum a fighting chance? Hope we decimate these bums because they are talking reckless this week. Drink vitamin energy, beat scum. Man, I, I think again, it depends on what Van Dyke you're getting, and clearly something has happened. I don't know what the injury was necessarily. I don't know that they ever gave specifics on why he sat out against Clemson. But I want to read you the stats, Aslan, before he sat out against Clemson. So in the five games before that, you know, even against Carolina, they lost that game by ten points. He was thirty one of forty eight for three ninety one. He threw for four touchdowns. He also threw two interceptions, and he was sacked three times, and that might have been when he got hurt. Uh, But Georgia Tech, that was his only bad game up until the injury. He was 24, and he was still in that one. He was 24 of 36 for 288. So averaging, I don't know, 10, 12 yards of completion, but he threw three picks. Against Temple, 220 yards, three touchdowns. No no picks. Bethune-Cookman, I get it. 247, two touchdowns. A&M, 21 of 30 for 374 and five touchdowns. And no interceptions against that defense, which is a pretty good defense. And then in Miami of Ohio in the opener, 17 of 22 for 201, one touchdown, one interception. So before the Georgia Tech game, he had thrown ten. Inter- he had thrown 11 touchdowns to one interception, and he was averaging about 12 yard, 11 yards an attempt, which is a big number. Hmm. Since he came back these last two weeks, he's thrown for 336 yards total. So Ooh. what is that? One, 168 a Ooh. game, five interceptions. In zero touchdowns, but what's more alarming to me, well, no, the interceptions are the most alarming thing. Zero touchdowns and five picks ain't great. 
But in 68 attempts, he only threw for 338, 336 yards. That's less than five yards an attempt from a guy that normally averages 11 an attempt. Mm. Something's happened, right? Like he is a kid that takes shots downfields and hits big chunk plays. He's always been that guy. These last two weeks, he hasn't been close to that guy. So if he's this guy again, just check down Charlie, not taking any shots, not beating anybody deep, not, not maybe not having the arm strength to do it, then, yeah, there's no point in playing him. And he does not give them the best chance to win. But if he's the kid that – if he's healthy like he was against A&M, and I don't think he is, I mean, that kid was good. Again, against Texas A&M, who has a very, very talented defense. Van Dyke was 21 of 30 for 374 yards and five touchdowns. So that's what scares you about him, that that's in there. Mm. But then as we talk here on November 9th, I don't know that it is in there. By the way, it's actually November 8th when we record this, which is Stephanie's birthday. Oh. So just wanted to give a shout-out to Stephanie. Happy birthday. Should have done that on yesterday's show, and I forgot. All valid points, which I, I'm not looking forward to making my score prediction on the War Chain Report powered by Cummins because, yeah, I mean, if, if he is who he's been here recently, I mean, like, what is Emory Jones going to do for you, though? Like, he's he didn't rip it against Clemson, and Ja'Curry no. Brown can run around and maybe give you a package or two, like a shot in the arm get you across midfield, but I don't think he's going to give you a sustained drive. Uh, yeah, I mean, their only hope is, like, it feels like Van Dyke finds, like, old magic, which right. is long Is that lost. even possible, yeah, though? it's yeah, long yeah. Naked underscore Noel, wake up. If you had to pick an anytime touchdown score for the Noles on Saturday, who are you rolling with? Jordan Travis getting a rushing touchdown in a rivalry game seems destined. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that seems like an automatic. Honestly, um, he see, he's accounted for uh, at least two touchdowns in sixteen straight games, some number like that, mm. um, which is pretty remarkable. So yeah, I would say him getting a, a rushing touchdown because they sneak him. It's not quite what they do with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, but they they do sneak him. He's pretty good at it. He scored on a, like two, probably three sneaks this year. Um, so I would I would say Jordan Travis getting a rushing touchdown. What about uh? I mean, Benson could bust a big one, too. Like, yeah. That seems like a, a weekly occurrence, right? Right, right. I was thinking about that the other day, too. Just like, like he just hits home runs. It's like, yeah. you know, Chris Carrelli does his catch touchdowns. It's like, all Trey Benson does is hit home runs. Like, when's the last time he ran in, you know, like a four-yard touchdown? I'm sure he did one this year. I just, I can't, you know, it doesn't, like, jump off right. the front of your lobe when you start thinking about these things. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Nick and Noel. He's making the rules uh, for an anytime touchdown score. So, I agree with you. Jordan Travis running okay. it in. The Walking Nolo won. Last week, I went back and watched the signing day live show y'all did back in 2021. Yep, that show. The one where Travis Hunter got up, threw our hat to the floor, and went to play for Dion. Yeah. What's crazy is that was the week two years ago that I was at Doak watching the Miami game, and I saw Travis Hunter walk right by me. Man, if I knew then what I know now, uh, I didn't go back and watch that live stream to get mad at Travis or Prime. I did it to remind myself just how far we've come since then. Man, oh man. That's a good way to, to treat it. Yeah, you, yeah, just just enjoy the climb. I can only imagine how fun it's been for you two to cover a team like this this year. So with that being said, let's knock the Canes down and finish off the season so we can take New Orleans in the playoffs and win the whole dang thing. Mm. That's right. Hey, man, you won't be seeing Travis under there either. <laughs> Amen, Walker. Colorado, Noel, wake up. You ever go back they're... and watch our old shows? Do I or can we? Yeah, do you? Um, 
I was one time I went back and watched a couple. Uh, I watched, I think, maybe some raps like in 2020 of, of like the last couple games of Willie's tenure. But mm. I, I haven't dipped back into like the 21 archives or anything like that. But yeah, I'd like to go watch the. Uh, uh, no, I was going to say, I'm not going to bring up that game. Uh, but yeah, I would the signing day when I would I would go should, watch it. Should we do a, we, should we do a rewatchable of our own content? Like how yeah, meta would that people be? would watch that? Yeah, we like uh, yeah the Travis Hunter decision. Um, obviously, the game they lost on the final play a few years ago. Um, something from 2020, and then like some good stuff sprinkled in there at the end as it started to slowly turn around. Mm-hmm. Colorado, Noel. Gentlemen, there have been a number of in-game instances this season in which Coach Mike Norvell has been sprinting down the sideline during a big play by one of his players, whether it was uh, Jaheim or Keon. My question for you is, has anyone on the War Chant staff asked Coach for his GPS data? And if so, what's his top miles per hour? Thanks as always. Go Noles. I think I jokingly asked him that, or somebody did, yeah. um, before the season started. Because he's. A, if you guys don't know, I assume many of you do, but at, but at every practice when they break from stretching and they do a quick huddle to start the actual practice, he sprints 80 yards against some defensive linemen. Um, and he's getting roasted here lately. Um, it's He ain't, he ain't racing Robert Cooper anymore. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I asked him, I think so, or somebody asked him if he wears the GPS monitors. Um, he did. I did ask him way back when, when we first started watching practice, like how how much he walks in a day, like if he tracks that. And I think he told me nine miles a day is about what – because he's going everywhere. You see him in practice, and he goes very quickly. But I think he said it was up somewhere in the neighborhood of nine miles a day that he, he tracks on his on his watch. My goodness. But I don't – do you think he wears GPS stuff? No, I don't think he's got the catapult on him. But, I mean, he's got his, like, Apple Watch or whatever, but that's yeah. not the same thing. It'd be funny if he did wear the catapult. <laughs> great. He's, but it's great, though. And they do stretch line. Like, the, like, he's usually just going up and down, like, clapping up and encouraging everybody. But, like, the last minute of stretch line, he starts doing the same stretches because he knows yeah. he's got to get ready to sprint against Dante Anderson or he Braden pulled a hammy. He pulled a hammy a couple springs ago. Ah. And it's, was out of commission for a while. It's real, man. It's real out yeah, there. Yeah, he's old. He's getting old, Mike. You're getting old, bud. Uh, what's not getting old is Corey and I competing for your honor and your mm. attention and your uh, validation by making picks every Thursday here on the program. Uh, my lead has slowly evaporated week over week as Corey has uh, really come on strong the last two weeks, three out of his last four. I threw a donut last week. Um, I don't know if you have some games already in mind here, Corey. Uh, but let us let us reconvene and uh, get this thing back going here. Yeah, I do. I have one okay. already. Right. Um, Georgia Tech and Clemson. Okay. Uh, I think Georgia Tech is getting 14 points. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get 14 and a half, I'll be honest. Um, but I'm going to take Georgia Tech getting 14 at Clemson. Oh, okay. I just don't trust that Clemson offense enough. Georgia Tech's playing very well. They can run the ball a little bit with their quarterback. I don't. Obviously, it's not going to be high scoring, but they might be able to hit a few plays. And I just, I just think that Clemson offense is so mediocre that that's that's too big a number. Okay. Okay. So Georgia Tech plus fourteen. All right. Um, let me see here. Where is that game? Whoever's UCF, I think UCF's playing Oklahoma State. Okay. Uh, so I want to take Oklahoma. I want to take UCF. Yeah, UCF is at home, getting two and a half against Oklahoma State. Um. That old bedlam hangover, I think, might be mm. too much. And Gus Gus just likes ruining people's weeks. Um, he hasn't really upset anybody this year. Almost at Oklahoma earlier. Feels like maybe he's due. I'm going to take UCF at home plus two and a half, Corey. And then I'm going to stay in the ACC because that's all I bet now. 
Somehow Boston College is an underdog at home to Virginia Tech. I don't understand it. I don't know why nobody respects my BC Eagles and uh, Dark Horse Heisman contender Thomas Castellanos. But I like Boston College getting a point and a half. Man, they're going to win that game outright. They're feeling good. That kid has given them some life. The defense is playing well. And Virginia Tech just got shellacked and probably lost a lot of confidence in that game against Louisville. So I think Boston College is going to win that game by more than – well, they're getting points, so it doesn't matter. That doesn't even make sense. That's what I'm yeah. saying, it's almost like one of those general principle games that yeah. Scott Van Pelt talks about where you have to like lean into the stink, which is – Maybe taking Virginia Tech, but you're going BC one and a half. BC, yep, going BC. Um, I'm just going to rally around my guy, Jim. Michigan getting given out for in Happy Valley. I think they're going to cover. I'm taking Michigan minus four. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't disagree with you there, buddy. Also, as uh, Virginia and Louisville play tonight. Yeah, that's correct. I didn't realize that. The, Louisville's a 20 and a half point favorite at home. Uh, again, I, I think for everybody's wants and hopes and dreams you probably need you probably want Louisville to win that game <laughs> they're number 11 in the latest poll it would be really nice if you get to Charlotte and you're playing a top 10 ish opponent hmm. you know so that would be nice uh, not that it matters if you win if you went out you went out but it would be nice to have some resume builders on that on that uh, on the resume hmm. MyBookie.ag, there's a promo code, uh, promo code rather, it's WarChant. You use that, you get an instant cash deposit bonus. Fade us, follow us, however you wish. You can make your picks. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere using the promo code WarChant for that instant cash deposit bonus as a first-time customer over at MyBookie.ag. I think we got like three more, four more here, Corey. All right, let's uh, do it. Bravo, Victor. Wake up. What's up, fellas? Can't wait to hopefully see you guys Friday at the corner pocket. Hmm. If Miami were to start Emory Williams or he plays significant time in this game, what does our defense need to worry about with him? Thanks, guys, for all you do. Loving this season and this team. Go Knowles. Emory Williams he asked about? Yes. Is that what he said? The yes. the, the Miami, the freshman? I Man, look, I, it's so hard to know because uh, he, they, he wasn't asked to do anything against Clemson. I mean, he threw 33 times, but I read a stat where like nine of his completions, I think he completed 24 passes, Nine of them were at the line of scrimmage or behind it. And then like nine more were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. So he was just not taking any shots. It would be a lot of simple, quick, easy passes. He doesn't, I mean, I think he can move a little bit, but, you know, again, he's not my man Castellanos or Jaden Daniels back there. He's more mobile now than current Van Dyke. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I just, it's hard to know. Um, Is it the problem that, by starting him, by virtue of starting him, aren't you almost signaling signaling that you are going to be so dependent on the run that Florida State can put the numbers in there to, even though you have a really good offensive line and some pretty decent running backs, Florida State has enough talent that if they put the right numbers in the box, they can slow that down, and you're going to dare a true freshman to make downfield passes, right decisions, tight windows to beat yes. you. I just like you, you, you're surrendering by starting him. I feel like. Well, I, but I? I also think maybe Van Dyke, maybe the thought is you start uh, this kid, and if he struggles, Van Dyke can kind of come in and, and be your – And there's no real pressure. You're already losing probably. Yeah. The offense isn't doing much, and Van Dyke can just let it loose, and maybe he could – he'd be maybe he's better as a, as a reliever than a starting pitcher in this moment because maybe there's not as much pressure. 
You know, I remember Florida State baseball had a few guys. I think John Gast was one from way back when, 12, 13 years ago. They started him. Jeff Parker, too, was another one. When he would start games, he was awful. But when they brought him in in the fourth inning, he was an ace. Like, he, I don't know why that happens, but sometimes it does. And obviously, Van Dyke is proven that he can be a capable starting quarterback. But maybe just the, the mentality of, go in and save us, Tyler. You haven't cost us this game. We need you to get back in this game. So go make some plays. There wouldn't be as much pressure, I don't think. Maybe that's an avenue they go down. I, I, but, yes, I agree. Like, I don't think it's a white flag. I think it's uh, we believe in our running game and we believe in our defense enough that we need somebody that cannot turn the ball over, that can that we will just call a simple game plan, try to, you know, manage the ball, manage the game, manage field position, and try to be in this game in the fourth quarter. And maybe they think that kid gives them the best chance. Who knows? No boy. Actually, no. Sorry. Winkles. Winkles. Mm. Wake up. This gets brought up every year. But who do you despise more, Florida or Miami? For me, it's the Jersey Shore Bozos for sure, which I think that means Miami for our guy Winkles. Uh, okay, God, right. I'm Florida, like forever and all. I can't, I can't imagine what would have to happen for Florida to get upended as the most like loathed team in my DNA, you know, orbit. I just, I can't, I, I don't even know if like Miami would have to go back to late '80s, early '90s and start right. winning on field goals again all the time, but. Absent that, no, Florida. It's also, you know, I would still say it's Florida. Um, look, and this is, this is going to sound like a shot at Miami. It is a shot at Miami, but I'm not <laughs> doing it to, to be rude. It's like they haven't mattered in 20 years. Like Florida has had a run in this decade. Well, sort of. Like Urban, not really this decade, but I mean they got to a couple SEC championship games. They've still, they've still been more relevant than Miami, even in the last 15 years, even since Tebow. But we also live through Tebow. And I and Florida's always, I feel like they're one higher away from maybe being very, very good again. Maybe Napier's the guy. He'll turn it around. Who knows? Miami has been spiraling, in just spiraling in place, doing nothing for two decades. And they don't show up for games. There's not much of a fan base. It's They just don't matter as much. The 90s team, absolutely, man. I can promise you Miami caused Corey Clark more heartache than Florida ever could. But I still think Florida's more of a uh, um, an equal. Mm. I don't know that Miami's ever getting back, man. Even in the, the era of NIL, they just, they, they've just been irrelevant for so long. I just always think you're going to get more satisfaction out of beating Florida than Miami. But I, I don't know. I might, Aslan and I might be in the minority. Here's the thing. I just wonder, and I, I don't disagree with, with what you're saying, um, he's recruiting decent high school talent. If they give him enough time, maybe he builds that up well enough. Who's but he? Cristobal. Cristobal. Oh, okay, okay. But like, it's it comes down to quarterback. I I, I get everything with Florida. Like, if they make the right hire, Urban Meyer. Although, like, is that what they're they're going to hinge everything to either having Steve Spurrier or Urban Meyer to have to win right. a national title? Like, it, it feels like for Miami, it really is quarterback. I mean, Florida had I don't know if it's Tebow or Urban Meyer, which you know, chicken or egg on that one. Like, if Miami ever got – if Tyler Van Dyke lived up to who they thought he was yeah. going to be after that 21 season, I mean, they're probably – this is this we're going to end up rematching them in Charlotte, but he just not, has not worked out that way. Feels like Mario's building them fairly right, like winning in the line of scrimmage and handling yeah. that. They're not going to have the skill talent that Florida State has because of battles end and what Mike's offense is, I think. But, like, if they ever just get get a quarterback, like they but they have not had a quarterback – 
I don't even want to but, count Ken Dorsey, but they never, I guess they never really even had a quarterback, right? Gino Toretta, I mean, these guys are all product no, of the guys he, around uh, them. Testa Verde was great. He was singularly great. Uh, and then he finished his career with, a, I think, a five-interception game against Penn State in the Fiesta mm. Bowl, lose the national championship. But, uh, yeah, man, like, you think about all these guys they've rolled through where you're like, okay, Stephen Morris is the guy. Yeah, Kirby Freeman, Kyle Wright. Uh, but those guys, like Stephen, uh, Stephen Morris, Brad Kaya, uh, Ja'Cory Harris, they all had these moments where you're, where the Miami fans got so excited. Tyler Van Dyke, where you're like, oh, man, this guy's going to be the, – he's, he's the real deal. He's the next Steve great Walsh. Miami quarterback. Yeah. Um, and then it they, it's never panned out. It's just never panned out. So that's a good point. Like Florida State has had, you know, since Miami – well, let's say Ken Dorsey was their last really good quarterback. Florida State has had Ponder, Manuel, Jordan Travis – Jameis Winston, all in that stretch since Miami's had a good quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, you're right. It's a good point. I and I and that's the weird thing. Crystal Cristobal is or Cristobal. I don't know how to pronounce it. Has built the the guts of that team are pretty good. It's like a car, like the car, the the engine. Good bones, good bones in the yeah, in the house. Good bones, good bones there, in the man. house. Yeah, they do have a good line. They do have good line of scrimmage. They do have some uh, a solid defense. They do. They do have a running game. You know, they have some stuff, and then it just hasn't. It hasn't worked out. But again, I, I want to make everybody understand because I talk. I, we talk about this Miami game as this. It's a, a a foregone conclusion that Florida State's going to win, and I do think Florida State's going to win. But it's not. It's not locked and loaded, guaranteed. And remember, I know their record is six and three. Miami is a seven and two football team. They should be ranked twenty first in the country. Yeah, they're even, man. They shouldn't have beat Clemson. He went rogue. I mean, it all they balances Cle- out. They, the fact that it was even with a backup quarterback yeah. means that they're as good as Clemson. That wasn't fluky. The uh, loss to Georgia Tech, the game was over. Yeah, I mean, it was, was over. It was. So they should be seven and two. So let's. I mean, that's a seven and two team that's coming in here on on Saturday. That's yeah, funny. Like you know, baseball teams always talk about giving a, another team like an, an extra out. I mean, like nothing will ever compare to what Mario Cristobal did against Georgia Tech. Like nothing. I mean, it's. It, it would be like it's, it's almost not. like that College World Series game where the kid dropped the pop up in foul territory that would have won the national championship. Arkansas, yeah, yeah, and then they lost the game and then lost the series. Yeah. But that would have been a pretty good catch. Yeah, like he had to. It, it, that that was like a, a second, a first baseman standing there. The second baseman throws him the ball. It's right chest high. The butt, base runner's twenty feet away, and he just misses it completely. Like, it's just an unbelievable way to lose a football game. And credit to Miami, at least the defense, for still playing hard after that. Mm. Like, they won them the Virginia game, the defense did. And then they, they I mean, NC State. Clemson game came after that too, I think, right? They're right, so. man. Like, credit to Miami for not just completely imploding on that on that staff for uh, for them uh, losing that game for them. Mm. Noel Boyo, too, wake up. What are your top three FSU Miami games? I was thinking about this, Corey. I don't have nearly the the catalog to pull from as you do, and that wasn't a shot at your age. It's just your your recollection of everything. Your it recall. Was a shot at, it was a shot at my age. It's fine. I'm old. I get it. <laughs> um, nothing nearly as glorious. Oddly, 2016. Like I was at home by myself watching that game, but for some reason, like I'll always remember. Like it was just so stressful. And then you know the block at the rock, obviously just. The final drive, getting ahead, blocking that, um, that was special because 
also I was able to like tap into the Miami radio broadcast mm. and like they were on cloud nine when they scored the touchdown. Chris Fowler's going nuts. Yeah. And everyone thinks Chris Fowler, you know, is anti-Florida. So he's going nuts. They're going crazy. And as soon as the extra point is blocked, just the, the deflation you could hear yeah. in with Don Bailey. And I don't know who the play-by-play guy, but he's been doing it forever for Miami, but you can just, he's like, yeah, the, it's blocked. Yeah. blocked and it's like yep yeah. and there goes the losing this losing streak continues for you so 16's in there 2005 that was the first game i ever worked for warchant.com as like an intern and that snap it was a horrendous ugly terrible yes. football gross. game so gross but it ended the streak uh the yeah. muff the muff field goal that they couldn't get off to to try to win that game so i remember like witnessing that running on the field with ira and trying to get interviews with players you used to be able to interview players right there on the field Corey, after yeah, a football uh, yeah. game i remember i what remember seeing it from the stands what a time and then all my friends have been sharing photos uh, that have popped up on their social media reminding them like 10 years ago they were in tallahassee to watch the miami game so i remember the 13 game after they dismantled clemson like the group text was like we're all going to the miami game right and it was like mm. yes and then i got tickets for everybody shout out jamie warren jam nolfin or whatever he goes by on war chant Hooked me up with like six tickets. We all came up for here for that game. And that was like the last time I think we've all been together for a game. So 16, 5, and 13. Maybe not necessarily in that order. Okay. Uh yeah. So you touched on those. I'll go, I'll go deeper. I would say 93 for sure. Um, you'd lost to them two straight years at wide right, so they both cost you national titles. So to beat them 28 to 10, Devin Bush putting away with a pick six, Charlie keeping his Heisman candidacy going, obviously. That's probably number one for me. 89 is really close. Again, you had lost to them the last two years, and both both years they were your only loss. Hmm. 87 and 88, you went 11 and 1 both years. Both losses were to Miami. 89, they come in there. Uh, you beat them 24 to 10. Leroy Butler, future NFL Hall of Famer, picks off Toretta's first pass, and then Dexter Carter scores on the first offensive play, 37-yard touchdown. And then you hold on. Kirk Carruthers has an insane game. You win. Miami still goes on to win the national championship. So that that lost a little of the luster. Were you, you there know, when Miami's holding up a trophy on New Year's Day? But it was still it was an unbelievable atmosphere. And as a fourteen year old, thirteen year old kid, whatever I was, to be in that stadium back when Doke at night was like that. Uh, that that will be an all time memory with my dad. That game, the ninety three game, and then the ninety six game down there. Like it had been um, twelve years since Florida State had won in the Orange Bowl. And then uh, they go down there, they're favorites, but you never know. It's Miami. And Warwick Dunn busts bust off an 80-yard touchdown run. And then Rock Preston had a huge run later in the game. You beat the crap out of their quarterback, Renard Wilson and Peter Bulware, and you finally ended that streak. So those those are the three I'm going with. There we and go. I, hey, I know people are listening to this and going, what about 47 to nothing mm. in, 19, in, in uh, 1997? But, I mean, that game, I don't even think I watched all that game. I was no. up in Athens at the time. Yeah. It was a rout. Miami didn't belong on the field with them. It was cool that you sacked their quarterback into the goalpost, <laughs> which I've never seen before or since. Was Scott Covington? I think it was either Covington or Ryan Clement, but I think oh, it was Covington. Okay, yeah, wow, yeah. Southernmost Seminole, as on you don't watch the cinematic recaps, they're so good. I think they actually use your voice on the Wake Forest one. You should check it out. Oh, there you go. They use Jeff Cameron's on this one. And they, yeah. yeah, they use me on the Wake Forest. I have I have sent the season desist letter. Uh, yes, that, thanks, correct. Thanks for letting me know. At least put your name down there, like <laughs> what it's from. Uh, no, I, I yeah, people have alerted me to that. It was uh, that was cool to see. Uh, they do they do a really good job. I just I don't know. It's they it's do. a weird thing yeah. as a creative person. I don't know. It'd be like seeing a script as a director and like, I want to make that movie. And then somebody else gets to direct that movie. 
I don't know if you want to watch it, you know, mm. um, that, that's a weird thing, but it's just, it's the way I'm operated, but I'm glad they do that for you folks, because I remember being in Mississippi and Ole Miss was doing this stuff in like 2011 with a three and nine football team. Yeah. I mean, they were doing these incredible recaps. They, they've made it into a 30 minute weekly show. Um, and I, and I was just thinking, I'm like, why isn't Florida state doing this? I'm like Florida state's actually really good. Um, so shout out to whoever's really been able to spearhead that effort to, to get you guys more access and, uh, this sort of branding stuff. Cause it does make a difference. It's awesome for you folks. But imagine like a 17 year old kid that's trying to make a decision and you see these kind of videos. So yeah. I, I don't hate on it at all. Uh, lane 2324. He asked us the other day, uh, it's glossed over cause I, I don't know the answer, but I, maybe he was asking about the fan vote in the Heisman. Does not mean anything? He's seen people post a link, takes it to the Heisman website. I've voted a few times. Jordan's leading, but does it truly help him? I think Corey, it's just, it's not like 10,000 votes equals 10,000 votes, right? It's whoever ends up, I think, winning the fan poll just gets like one singular. I don't even know it would be a first place vote. So, I, again, I really, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it has to result in some very small, insignificant percentage of what ends up being your total vote count to win this. But you're a your Heisman voter, so maybe you would know, Corey. I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, maybe it maybe it equals one vote. I don't think it's like twenty percent of the vote, or it, I don't think they break it down like they do the major league. All-Star yeah, but, game. but would it be like a because you have to you do first place, second place, third place vote, right? It's a weighted vote. Yeah, so vote. I would think they do who finishes first, second, third. They just uh, that's who gets uh, the, the that's okay. how they handle the fan vote. It's one vote. Um, so yeah. So I can tell you this as a Heisman voter. I can't tell you how I'm voting or, or anything like that. I'm not allowed to divulge that. And clearly I don't know yet because we're still in November, but he's still on my ballot and he's, he's high up there. Yeah. I just did a quick Google search Heisman fan vote process. Nothing came up. So oh, uh, right. we tried, we tried though. Hey, it's all we can do. Uh, live show six o'clock Corey and myself. Mm. Check it out. I think the war chant report powered by Cummins will probably be up probably be up around lunchtime so check that out uh, we will not be at practice on thursday we're never at practice on thursday so um, enjoy your morning but jeff cameron one to three o'clock tune into him and tom talking about this game and uh all the stories that'll be there matchup analysis courtesy of matt lasaire it's all over warchant.com 50 percent off for first time subscribers come on home take advantage of it uh, we got some real big games coming up be part of the family we're not going to tell you there's special preferential treatment for people that come to the corner pocket at five o'clock to hang out on home games. But when you're a member, I feel like there's a little extra, a little extra gleam in that Man, eye look, of Corey if, Clark. I'll when say he shakes this, your hand. If you're a member of the website, you get to look me in the eye. Mm. You get, you get real eye contact uninterrupted for 20 seconds. If Ooh. you ask, if you want to. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. And if you're not a war champ member, just dap me up and get on your way. That's a joke, everyone. Come up, say hey. We're very polite, I promise. Uh, Jeff Cameron's even polite sometimes. So come up and uh, say hello to all of us. All right, that's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thanks for listening to Wake Up Board Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.